And we are here recording Lost in the Woods, and today we have a very special episode. It is episode number 10. And And our first two-parter. Our first two-parter, which is really exciting. I totally hear you, though. I have a love-hate relationship with two-parters. You get to the end of the first one, and you're like, wait, what? I have to wait a week for this? So we're really sorry about that. But this case is just too, there's too much. There's it's too, too much information. Too much. And we felt like we couldn't give you half of the information without giving you the other half. It really just seemed like it needed to all be done together. Today, we are going to be talking about the Trailside Killer. So this is a serial killer that would terrorize the Bay Area for decades. Okay, guys. So. So yeah, so thanks for tuning in. We're excited to bring you this two-parter. It's going to be really fun. Thanks for everybody that listened last week. We are so appreciative of all of our listeners. You guys are amazing. We love your feedback. We love your comments. We love that listeners are giving us recommendations. This case is actually a listener recommendation that we got. So yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. And we're so excited. Uh, we did want to give you guys a little heads up on this episode. This case is a lot to hear. Yeah, this is kind of a difficult case. Uh, Next week, I think, is a little rougher than this week. Um, But if rape is something that you struggle with... Proceed with caution. Yeah, you might want to be ready with your fast-forward button. Just be prepared. Um, We're not going to give any... Of the gory details, we're not going to give any real in-depth specifics. We are going to leave those out, but we will be letting you know when it happens. So just be ready or just be warned. Uh, We don't want to shock anyone. It's a big case. There's a lot going on in it. So this week is, this week's episode, we don't really get into the woods as oh, much. Yeah. yeah, you guys might be like, uh, hey you guys, this doesn't have anything to do with hiking or I mean, backpacking. We get into the woods a little bit, but not as much as we, we will normally do. Or, or we next will week. next week. Yeah. So this episode is just a build up on what has created David to be the Yeah, it goes over his like past and his earlier crimes. You'll hear all about that. But this killer is called the Trailside Killer. We will get to the woods, but it's mostly going to be next week. Yes. So don't be like, hey guys, what's going on? This, this does not, not have anything to do yeah, with the this woods. This isn't working for us. We'll get there, I promise. Hang in there. It's just pretty important of his buildup to find out. Yeah, we, we wanted to make sure that we included it. It was important information. It It's kind of vital to who David becomes. All right, so here we go. The Trailside Killer, if you haven't heard of him, is David Carpenter. He was born May 6th, 1930. He's from San Francisco. He also had a younger sister named Anne. A few things about him. He was left-handed. He had a really bad stutter. Like, really bad. Like, People said it was hard sometimes to carry on a conversation with him because his stutter was so bad. And he also wet the bed far into his teens. Okay, so his father wasn't really a major figure in his life. And his mother was very dominating and ran the household. Yeah, like really mean. Very, very mean and abusive mother. So his mother forced him to write with his right hand. Which remember, he's left-handed, so this would not be an easy thing for him to do. No, my left hand is useless. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I swear this thing doesn't have any purpose. (laughs) Okay, so his mother also made him take ballet and violin and made him dress up as a fancy schoolboy when he was just in public school. Yeah, and fancy schoolboy, I think, is a term that he used, like a negative term. So, like, she had him dressing like a child would dress to go to private school. But he was going to public school. So kids made fun of him a lot for this. And he also 
did not want to do ballet and he did not want to play the violin. Yeah. yeah. So David was bullied at school and at home and his mother beat him and even beat him for stuttering. Yeah, which if you guys know anything about a stutter, any kind of stress will make it worse. Yeah. Right? So if you're stressed out or if you're abused, or none of that is going to help your stutter. No, not at no. all. He got good grades though, so he was obviously a, like a smart kid. Right. So David would also pull the wings off of bugs to shock his classmates. Yeah, and it wasn't just bugs at school. It, it seems that he had a tendency to torture small animals. He was not nice to animals, which if you look at his childhood, he's got two of the triad already mm-hmm. at this situation, right? So for those of you that don't know what the triad is, it's basically three things that are linked to a lot of homicidal behavior, serial killers, uh, rapists, things like that. So the triad is basically cruelty to animals, obsession with fire, and bedwetting past a certain age. So if a, a two-year-old wets their bed on a regular basis, that would not be grounds for the triad. But further into their adolescence. Like an eight-year-old or like a... Or a teenager. Yeah. Right. So we've got cruelty to animals and we've got bedwetting. We do not have, as far as we know, obsession with fire. And also this triad theory is heavily disputed by some experts. I don't know though. A lot of cases I hear about killers or sexually violent predators, they have a lot of these characteristics. Like, I'm sure there are your cases where people don't... Like, I know there are. I don't know their names, but I know that there are some serial killers and some people who do heinous crimes who come from perfectly normal Right, but that's that's more rare, though. But that's a lot more rare. Yeah. So, I mean, when we look at nature versus nurture, things like that as well, I mean, there are serial killers that come from really good homes, and there are serial killers that come from really bad homes. And... There's normal people that come from really bad homes. You know, they don't end up being serial killers. Right. So it kind of goes all ways. We're not here to dispute like nature versus nurture. That's not our point. Although we might have our theories on that. Yes. Yes. But you guys don't need to know what our theories are. It's like that one quote in um, when uh, Hotch is talking to the the guy, one of the criminals, and he goes, "Guys." People who are abused either grow up to be like you or they grow up to be like me. They either grow up to create the crimes or they grow up to stop right. the criminals. Yeah. We watch a lot of criminal I movies, watch a guys. lot of criminal <laughs> And since we're talking and, about a serial watch, killer. And we watch a lot of The Office, too, if you had yeah. to pick that up. So, you know. Anyone ever want to get into an office competition about anything? I'm right here. <laughs> and I am down to do it because I will beat you. We have both watched it many, many times. Okay. Okay. At 14, David was committed to Napa State Hospital for unspecified sex crimes. Yeah, so my thought behind this, I couldn't find more information about it, but I would say that an unspecified sex crime is probably that he sexually abused, I would guess, a family member. And they didn't want to have him get in trouble necessarily for that, but they wanted him to get help. Do you know what I mean? So he was sent there for like unspecified sexual crimes. It might be something like that where it's a family member or something. Uh, I'm not really sure. but Interesting. Mm -hmm. So at 17, David molested two of his cousins. Uh, Oh, and you guys, one of them was like eight years old. God. For those crimes, he was sentenced to California State Youth Authority until he was 18. Which doesn't seem like a lot of time if this is when he's 17 already. And who knows how far he was into yeah. being 17. But, my, I mean, he was a minor. This is back in, what, the 60s? It's no, even it's earlier before than that. the 60s. Because he was born, he was born in, the in the 30s. So we're probably Still in the, the 40s. For, we're in the 40s because in yeah, 1948 40s. he was, yeah. okay. So, like, okay. this is back in the 40s. So I would guess, I would assume, I would do more than assume that sex crimes aren't taken as... Well, I, I think they have a harsher sentence on them now, even for minors, than they did back then, probably. I would assume. Yeah. A psychiatrist concluded that David had learned to take out his anger sexually. Sounds like it. Sounds like a great way to control Well, and I wonder what 
made them like was he angry when he committed these crimes i mean we don't really know i think because maybe they were against family members we don't have as much information about them but it it must have been throughout his treatment that it was concluded that mm-hmm. this was a acting out because of that david's hatred of women most likely came from his mother right and not not a hatred but not because he hated his mother but because it was said that his mother hated other women. So I okay. think at a young age, his mother taught him to, to hate, hate women. Uh, okay. Yeah. Which is kind of a different spin than we normally see. Like a lot of times it's a learned behavior. Like they hate their mother so much that they end up hating all women. And he might have hated his mom, but it sounds like his hatred came from It might hatred. even be a combination. Which Could is, be a combination. Which is, might yeah. be why his anger is so strong. Could be, yeah, for sure. So his stutter seemed to disappear during his sexual crimes or anger or whatever was going on. Well, and a lot of that, I think, comes down to control, right? Like when somebody who does have a stutter, when they feel in control of a situation... Which I'm sure he felt in control of those situations. I'm sure he felt in control, so he's able to control it during those times. In 1948, when he turned 18, he was released like a wild animal then we move on to 1955 so he kind of kept clean for a while it sounds like years yeah or wasn't caught for anything just because it looks like on record on his record that he was silent for a few years doesn't mean he was who knows and also a big thing with rape victims is that a lot of them don't come forward especially this is this is in what especially back here back then yeah for sure so in 1955, he worked as a purser on a Fleetwood, which traveled from San Francisco to Japan. So if you don't know what a purser is, it's like a concierge of a ship. This gave him a lot of access to people, right? That would Good. come on the ship. Yeah. Good. I know. Perfect. Right? So a woman named Roberta Patterson actually complained about David. She said that she was really worried about the way he treated her 14-year-old daughter. She felt like he was really inappropriate with her, like would whisper, would put his arm around her, things like that. And she even complained to the captain of the ship, but nothing was done. Remind you, we are now in 1955. Yeah. Which makes David 25 years old. 25 years old. So November 5th, 1955, he got married to Ellen Huddle. But don't worry, she wasn't his first choice. Right, he actually tried to get with her sister first, and she rejected him. So good. Ellen was the fallback, I guess. Which, can I just tell you right now, like, if somebody actually dated my sister, I have I have a few of them. If somebody dated my sister before dating me, I'd be like, um, no thank you. That's mm. not happening. I've had guys that have tried to, like, be interested in me, and they've dated, like, one of my cousins or something, and I'm still like, yeah. no. Yeah, no no good. That's no good, No guys. good, no. No good. And no man should go from one family member to another family member. Yeah, Leave pick the a family. new family. Pick, new, pick family. a new family, for sure. So they had a son, Michael David, a daughter, Gabrielle, and a daughter... Circe. Circe? Mm-hmm. That's a cute name. Circe. Mm-hmm. And they were a seemingly normal family, like they always are. Like they always are. Always are. Ugh. So on July 12th, 1960, Lois Diendrit, 32, was walking down the street heading to the bus stop. David offered her a ride, something that he had actually done before because Lois actually worked for his father. So they knew each other, right? He asked her if she wanted to come and see his new baby really quick. Because they had just had Cersei. Yep. And then they he would take her to the bus stop. She didn't really want to. She felt like she didn't really have time to go. And he looked so sad and started stuttering really bad that she felt bad for him, agrees to go, and gets into the car. You guys. No, Lois, run away. Don't get into the car. Don't get into the car. But this one's kind of more of a hard thing because... They knew each other. They knew each other. Like, she worked for I totally agree. I totally agree. That does make it very difficult. He's not a stranger. Mm Mm-hmm. She's not getting into some stranger's car and he's not bringing her to her house. But her initial instinct was to not go with him. And I think that 
that was obviously right. But she only got in the car because she felt bad. Don't be afraid to be rude. Yeah, you guys don't feel bad. Just make up an excuse and get out of there. I'm really glad I don't feel bad about being mean to people. Well, you should feel a little bad about being being mean to people. Yeah. But when it comes to your safety, that should be priority number one. Oh, well, either way. <laughs> we did we did teach the four-year-old today how to escape the arms of a kidnapper. I'm pretty sure neighbors think we're crazy. <laughs> Madison and Cadence took turns playing the kidnapper, and they would basically go up and grab her, and she would have to get free. She had the green light to bite and kick she couldn't I told scream, her not though. to bite me. I told her she could bite Lulu, not me. She did bite Lulu a couple times. But basically teaching her, you know, put your hands up, drop your weight, like kick them between the legs, like kick, scream, She was elbow. hard to hold on to. Yeah, she did a, she did a really good job, not actually. She didn't take it super seriously. She thought it was funny. But she still was able to but... get out of your guys' arms. Yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, so don't be afraid to follow your instincts. So he drives around a bit. With Lois. And tells her that he's lost. Yeah, what? So he basically, he's like, yeah, I, I'm lost. I don't know where we are. Because he's supposed to be going to his house, remember? So that she can see his new baby. And he is not doing that. And he turns down an isolated road. Stops the car. She jumps out and makes a run for it. Yeah, because at this point, obviously, like, she's like freaked the freak out like she is like she knows something's wrong she knows something's wrong so the second the car stops she hits the ground running so he chases her ends up catching her and Uh, then drags her back to the car and ties her up yeah well or is trying to tie her up she asks him what he's doing and she reminds him that they're friends and he responds with i have this funny quirk and it needs to be satisfied Hell no. Like, what No. The, what the <laughs> no, hell? I know. Get out of there, Lois. I cannot. Like, can you imagine somebody, like, actually saying something like that to you? No. 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 So, he's got her about half tied up. When he reaches for a hammer under the seat. I am sorry, but there is nothing that terrifies me more than a goddamn hammer. Not, no. Right? Hammers are scary. Hammers are, like, I feel uncomfortable when somebody near me is holding a hammer because I'm like, oh, all they'd have to do is swing that right at my head. And I'm down. And I'm down. out cold. That'd be it. And I probably shouldn't be thinking that. But But I I, They are terrifying, especially the claw end of the hammer. There are stories where people are attacked with, like, the claw. That's, no, I can't. I've stepped on that and it hurt real bad. And also, let me just say, any of your corks, should not involve a hammer. Or needing to be satisfied. Like, what is that? No, it should not involve a hammer at all. It's a really weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say. It is a weird thing. But also during this time, he is not stuttering. She sees the hammer and she does what I would do. She starts flipping out, right? So she starts really struggling. She actually sees a car driving, like, on a nearby road, and she starts fighting. She's kicking, screaming. She's trying to honk the horn. David actually, at this point, pulls out a knife. The second scariest thing, right? A knife. We've got a hammer, and then we've got a knife. I don't know. So he pulls out a knife, and this is where she does something that I find crazy. As he's coming at her with the knife in an effort to protect herself, she actually grabs the blade. And I've heard about this yes. in a couple cases, right? Like that, that's just, that's apparently well, your... Well, because it's so against your normal instincts to grab something sharp like that. But your fear is overriding that instinct. So everything in our bodies tells us not to grab the blade of a knife, right? Like, yeah. that's something that our mind is like, we cannot do that. Do not do that. But when you're so scared... It overrides it. That's why That's why people, when they have defense wounds, their hands are cut up and stabbed mm-hmm. up. Because yep. that's their, that's your, uh, Trying to your protect reaction yourself, yeah. is to grab the blade. So when grabbing the blade, she slices the tendons on her fourth and fifth finger. Hold on. What's the fourth and fifth finger? If I had to guess, I would think that your thumb would be finger one and two. And oh, see, I, guess... I was I was thinking one, two, three, four, five. But why wouldn't it be left to right? I don't know. That's just the way that it is. Wait, because I I would do it this way. Oh, one, oh. two, three, four, five. 
Okay, I was I looking know. at like the palm of my hand, but now I'm looking at. But then if you look at your right <laughs> hand, then it's the opposite way, no matter what. What is the fourth and fifth finger? I still think it's pinky and ring finger. It might be. I feel like your thumb would be counted as your first. Okay, finger. so which is your ring finger and your little finger? Boom! Nice job. Okay. I feel like the most important finger, which is would your be thumb. One. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay, so the fourth and fifth finger would be your ring finger and, and your pinky. pinky. Uh, so I guess they're like the least important fingers. I think I may be able to live without them. I feel I'd feel like a claw machine without my. I'd feel like a claw machine too. But you're <laughs> right; it would be easiest to live without those two fingers. Like you just anyway. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> sorry that I'm stuck in my head. So she slices the tendons of her fourth and fifth finger like really bad. She manages though to tumble out of the car. The moment her feet hit the ground, she takes off running. And David chases her. Again. Again. And he's chasing her with the hammer. Why is he going back and forth from the hammer to the knife, by the way? Like, pick your weapon, dude. And another question, just saying. Just, just, why didn't he just knock her out when she Well, I think that, I think when he was trying to tie her up, she was struggling. And that's why he was pulling out the hammer was to try to knock her out. So that he could tie her up the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's a fighter, though. So as he catches her, he's swinging the hammer at her and he's striking her over and over in the head. Ugh. Ugh. I can't. The entire time this is happening, including when she's almost unconscious, she is still screaming. Dang. Good job. That's incredible. Meanwhile. Okay, so Wayne Hicks, a military police officer, was driving on a nearby road when he heard her screaming. He slams on his brakes and ran towards the screams. Good job. Great job. I mean, I feel like that's what I would expect from a military police officer. Well, yeah. Or I would hope. I Any would police hope. officer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would hope for sure. that that's what... I would hope that was... And what that's... a confusing scene to come up on, too. Yeah. So David struck him with the hammer. Yep. But then Hicks pulls out a gun. Gun beats hammer. Right. I think those are, is <laughs> those that... are the rules. Wait, is, that... is it like... Knife, hammer, gun. Like. Knife, hammer, gun. <laughs> I'd say that that's a good triad. No rock, paper, scissors anymore. It's knife, hammer, gun. gun. Okay, so Hicks pulls out his gun. David drops his hammer. So then Wayne takes him back to the police car and radios for help. Then David pulls out a small gas-powered gun that looks like a fountain pen. Yeah, you guys, what the heck? Is this a real can thing? We, can we please find a picture and post this? I will try to find a picture of this. I want to know what a gas-powered gun looks like. It looks like a fountain pen, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. It's so bizarre. How does it... And it shoots a thirty-eight caliber bullet. It's crazy. Anyway. Okay, so he did shoot this thirty-eight caliber bullet at Wayne. And keep in mind, he's really close to Wayne at this point. Like, he's close to him. He's shooting him point-blank... In the face. With his fountain pen gas-powered gun. But he gun. misses. He did burn his face, though. Yeah, so he burned the side of Wayne's face. But still missed. Yeah, so David takes off running. Wayne pulls out his gun again. Yeah. Gun. You know. Beats hammer and knife. <laughs> gun beats hammer knife. The first shot that he fires at David misses him, but the second two hit him. He gets one in the abdomen and one in the leg. Mm-hmm. Good job, Wayne. So at this point, an ambulance shows up and please actually try to put Lois and David in the same ambulance. What? Like, no, thank you. What are you even thinking? Please don't put me in Let an David bleed on the ground while you take Lois to yeah. the hospital and go back for him. Actually, if anyone has a time machine, I don't know, maybe go back. Don't take him to the hospital. I don't okay. know. But he tries to put, they try to put both of them in the ambulance together, and she freaks out. So they get Naturally. Another, yeah. They get another car there. Uh, her skull was actually broken in two places. Ugh. She actually had to get, like, metal plates in her head. An interesting fact, which I didn't, I, I was so confused when I kept pulling up articles about the Real Housewives. I don't watch the show, but somebody on the show named Rena. Have you ever seen the show? I have seen very, very small Okay, parts. so there's somebody on the show named Rena. Okay. And Lois is actually her mom. Crazy. 
Yeah, like in real life. So this happened a couple years before okay, so Rena was born. Then I guess Rena from The Real Housewives, her mother's a real badass. Yeah, yeah. We don't watch the show, but, but you know. I'm sure someone out, does. I'm sure somebody out there does. Someone tell us if this is a cool fact. <laughs> we, we think it's... I think it's cool. I think it's cool. I mean, I don't know. Oh, also, Lois lost her sense of smell after this attack. Isn't that interesting? Probably the part of the brain that got injured. Oh, I'm sure. I would assume. I'm sure. So when her mother actually told her what had happened finally when she was a little older, it was to explain the plates in her head and why she had no sense of smell. Crazy. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't worry, guys. David also recovers. David recovers, too. We are super happy about that. Super thrilled. Ugh. So on October 26th, hey, that's the month after my birthday. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay, hopefully we won't be in quarantine when Madison's birthday comes along. I severe I I think that if we are still in quarantine by my birthday, something's wrong. The world is really ending. <laughs> so we I just had my birthday in quarantine and I'm going to be very upset if Madison gets to have hers out of quarantine. It's only fair. <laughs> That's not how this works. That is not how this works. Actually, I'm more worried about Lulu's birthday being quarantined because I want to go to the Great Wolf Lodge. I know, right? True, true. We don't do anything for my birthday. So October 26th, 1960, David was indicted on assault with attempt to commit murder. Naturally. I feel like that's fair. Fair. Assault with a deadly weapon. The hammer. Knife. Yep. It had special mention for the claw hammer. Yep. Terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. And deadly weapon on Officer Hicks. Yeah, so assault with a deadly weapon on an officer, which is a different charge than Mm -hmm. just, like, assaulting a civilian. He was sentenced 14 years on McNeil Island in Washington. Right, which is a federal prison, I believe, but the crime actually happened on federal land. So that sort of makes sense. Yeah, because it's a park. Yeah. So, shockingly, while he was in prison, his wife filed for divorce. (gasps) Oh! She also claimed in her divorce affidavit... That he demanded sex, like, three times a day. Demanded. Demanded. No Uh, man should demand anything. No (laughs) man will ever demand anything from me. Go on. So, shockingly, David was a model prisoner. Mm. Mm -hmm. Good. On April 7th, 1969, you guys, he was released after serving nine years. Great. Nine years. Hey, I'm just gonna try he to rape attacked him. somebody Murray. with a hammer not, and shot a police officer. No. Tried to shoot a police officer. Nine years. Ah. Uh, so, just months later, when he got out, he remarried a woman named Helen. I don't know much about Helen, but I'm assuming that it didn't She's go a great well. Person, obviously. So obviously he's a good manipulator. He's, obviously, he just got out of jail for nine years, and he talked somebody into marrying him after a couple months. It's impressive. Yeah, super impressive. Okay, so in January of 1970, a couple months after his marriage, she took a solo trip to Hawaii. Yeah, to me that's kind of like a red flag, right? Like maybe something's going on and they are already taking a break. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So on January 27th, he goes for a drive. Yeah, do people actually do that? Like... I'm gonna, I'm bored, I'm gonna go for a drive. It actually said that he went for a drive to blow off some steam. I don't like that. Okay, so he sees a attractive blonde woman driving her car, and oh, he decides to run her off the road. You guys, can you imagine how terrifying that would be? I can't even imagine. Being run off the road? I've almost accidentally been run off the road. Yeah, but can you imagine like knowing it was intentional? Like, like someone she, intentionally ran She off knew the road. it was intentional. Terrifying. It's yeah. scary enough, like, someone accidentally running you off the mm-hmm. road. Like, that's scary enough. No, I've been rear-ended before and was, like, scared to get out of my car because I thought maybe they did it on purpose. Oh, if I'm, if I am completely honest, if I get hit and I see a man get out of his car and it's dark outside and there's no mm. one else around, I might not get out of my car. I might roll down my window and be like, out of all respect to you, I don't know who you are and I'm not going to get out of my car, I'm sorry. But I'm too much of a paranoid person. Well, she didn't do that. She didn't stay in her car. No. But the, being run off the road. I'm talking like if someone rear-ends yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. That's a different story, probably. Mm-hmm. But she makes eye contact with him and jumps out of her car and starts running. Right, which is a crazy thing to do. Like, 
somebody's just run you off the road, you get one look at them and you're like, hell no. She jumps out of her car and runs, not just runs, but runs into the woods, you guys. Yeah. I'm thinking that she saw, because remember the last time we heard he attacked, he stopped stuttering. So I'm thinking that maybe... He what, changes, like something. He changes, uh-huh. like ma- he changes. So maybe whatever he has that look in his eyes yeah, or whatever. whatever she saw, she was like, she was I'm like, out. Nope. Yeah. Okay, so when she doesn't come back for an hour, he leaves. So, like, so he waited there for over an hour though, you guys. Mm-hmm. Waiting for her to come back. Like, is she just hiding in the woods? Like, I, I, I would imagine. Know. Oh my gosh. It was probably cold out too. It's in January, so yeah. <laughs> right? So, a little bit later that night, Cheryl Lynn Smith was driving around. So, it's about 10.30 at this time when a vehicle smashes into the back of her car. I've officially made up my mind. What? If there's no reasonable reason someone should hit my car, I'm not getting out. Yeah. I'm going to lock myself in my car. Yeah. And I'm going to stay there until the police show up. That's probably a good call. Because, like, nope. I'm not dying. So Cheryl takes the opposite approach as the first woman. She gets out of her car and starts yelling at him. Basically like, what the heck are you doing? Why did you hit my car? He gets out of his car and he has a knife under his jacket, which she doesn't notice. And when she turns her back on him. Coward. mm -mm, Do not turn your back. When she turns her back on him. To assess the damage of her car, he grabs her and says, I want to rape you, and I will kill you if you don't come with me. Oh, no. At this point, he starts dragging her up the hillside at the edge of the highway. She loses her shoes, and one of them tumbles down the hill and lands by her car. He is tearing at her clothing as he's dragging her to the top. At the top, he removes her remaining clothes. She tries to escape. He lunges at her with a knife in his hand, which, you guys, now she's naked and he's lunging at her with a knife. I literally can't. He stabs her in the arm and leg multiple times, partially severing some of the muscles in her right arm and severely injuring her left hand. She said that all of a sudden, he changes. Did he rape her? No. Does he have some sort of multiple... No, I think, I mean... Personalities? This is the first... I'm not really sure. Like, the last... If you think about the last attack, right? Like, adrenaline, hammer, knife, blood. It kind of sounds similar, right? Like, he's dragging her. There's a knife involved. So, I don't know what caused this change in him. Maybe it was the actual act of stabbing at her. Because if you remember, the last victim, she grabbed the knife. So she was cut, so if it had to do something with blood or something. Yeah, I don't think it was the blood. Maybe it was the actual act of it. The actual act of stabbing. He seemed to want to hurt her with the hammer, not with the knife. So I'm not sure. I feel like that could have something to do with it. So at this point, he drapes his coat around her and starts leading her back down the hill to the cars. He offers to follow her home and bandage up her wounds if she agrees to not call the police. Good, that makes everything better. I'd be like, yeah, nope, you got a deal. I'm not gonna call the police, that sounds great. Yeah, sure. I'll get my car, you You get get in your your car. car. Uh Uh-huh, exactly. She politely declines and manages to get into her car and take off. Keep in mind that at this point, she is naked and wearing his coat. And bleeding. How surreal would this be? She looks up and sees that his car is driving behind her. So she pulls into a well-lit hotel parking lot, and he luckily does not follow her. She was able to give the police his license plate. Good job. She got his license plate. Yay. So David goes home and packs his bags. Right. I mean, you need a bag, right? If you're going to I mean, if you're going to flee, like, maybe just, like, just leave. That's I mean, not, is your bag that important? Is, do you own anything important enough to do you a prison? need an extra pair of jeans? I don't know. So the police arrive at his home while he's still there. But while they're banging on the front door, he slips out the back door. So you guys, why did they not send one police officer to the back of the house? To the back door! You never knock on the door until somebody's at the back. That's, uh, no. No, no. Like, 
No, no. I've watched enough Criminal Minds to know this. <laughs> they always send someone to the back. Uh. Carpenter hitches a ride and asks to be dropped off in the woods of Santa Cruz. Yeah, that's not weird, right? Like, hey, will you give me a ride to the woods? Like, just drop me off in the middle of the woods. Yeah, super weird. Don't don't pick up hitchhikers, you guys. So the next day, Wilma Josie? We think it's Wilma Jowls. I think it's Sorry Wilma Jowls. Sorry if Jels. it's not. I'm yeah, not entirely it's sure. It's kind of a weird one. She comes home with her two children to find her husband sitting in a chair with his robe on, holding a shotgun. Or so she thought. It was not her husband. No, it's not her husband. Sorry for the language. He declared, in quotes, that bitch last night got excited and there was blood all over the place. Which, that's such a weird thing. To, he must have gone in there to try to clean up or find something to steal or whatever and then just been, like, thinking about it and thinking about it. And then when she came home, like, he felt the need to say that. It's very strange and very weird, which makes me think about, like, what kind of fantasy is he playing out? I don't know, yeah. Because I still have not quite figured it out. We have not figured out what his goal is. What does he want to do with these women? Exactly. I, I think he just wants to dominate them. I think that's his end goal. And I think he's trying to figure out what that looks like. And I think he hasn't quite found that yet. That might at this be point, At this point, anyway. So if you haven't figured it out already, David Carpenter is the one sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. He ordered her boys to go to their room. So he ordered Wilma to grab her keys and said that they were going to go for a ride. No, thank you. Nope. Not going to do that. I don't want to go for a ride with you. I don't want to go for a ride. I want to go home. Okay. So they drove to an empty cabin in the woods that had belonged to David's parents. It was empty now. And in, in that cabin, he raped Wilma. She said immediately after his demeanor had changed and he had become very gentle and took her back to her home and just stole her car. Yeah, and that's kind of a theme that we hear. Like, after an incident he changes like he's a totally different person when he's in attack mode or when he's in this killer assault whatever mode and then immediately after it he completely changes it's like the last victim where he all of a sudden was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm wondering if it's either like some form of remorse or like he's gotten what he needs or well, I think maybe he's struggling with it. Like, he wants to hurt them and he wants to do these things, but he hasn't found the courage to really go through with it yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, something. He's testing the waters, I think, a little bit on this one. So on January 29th, 1970, at 8.05, Sharon O'Dell, who's 25 years old, is in the parking garage of her building. Parking when- garages scare me. Yeah, I don't like parking garages. No thanks. I don't like them at all. When a man walks up and pulls out a rifle, he forces her into the stolen vehicle, which is Wilma's car that he's driving still at this point. He ties her up while he is trying to change the license plate on the two cars. So he's trying to switch the license plate over to the other car. Sharon makes a break for it and actually gets away. So instead, he steals Sharon's car. He leaves behind Wilma's car and switches to Sharon's. He also leaves behind a bag that has a bloody flashlight in it, a bloody hunting knife, and electrical cord with a slip knot tied in the end. Which lovely. That's like a noose. Like a slip like You you don't wait. You don't carry these things? I do you? not carry these things in my vehicle up. My although my vehicle can be a little messy sometimes. Talk Nothing like Madison's though. Oh my God, I just had to drive my car off at Les Schwab. It was so I dirty. I was embarrassed for her because I was her car so was so dirty. Not only, though, did I have to go pick up my car from Les Schwab after blowing out tires yep. to have a bunch of young men drive into my car. Not only that, but they couldn't get my car started at yeah, Les Schwab. Yeah, so Madison's key fob hasn't worked for a while, and so she uses, like, the factory... <laughs> key and she puts the key fob next to it to start it so the anti-theft doesn't click in and they actually killed her car while trying to get it started because if you don't actually start it the anti-theft keeps going which means it, it like does this battery. clicking thing yeah so then i had to jump start her car we were a hot mess and her car was a disaster and i had to, I had to stay there for longer than i wanted to while they jumped my when my mom jumped my car yeah, at it was Schwab. it was a day it was a day 
But anyway, I do not keep these types of supplies in my car. I'm sure you could find something like that in my car. But honestly, like I'm I'd totally, rather totally kidding. I'd rather that be found in my car than what was in your car. Like I'd rather go to Les Schwab with a bloody flashlight, a bloody hunting knife, and electrical cord with a slipknot tied in the end than roll in anywhere with the disaster that is your vehicle. Hey, I'm just saying. I literally looked like I was living in my car. I had like a sleeping bag in the back she of my car. She could have been homeless, you guys. Blankets. She could have been homeless. Maybe they just thought I was homeless. No, and it smelled bad too. You're immune to it. So gross. No, I know it stinks. Anyway, anyway, moving on. So he left those items behind. Okay, so then he lays low for a while. So on Tuesday, February 3rd at 11.05. It's a very exact time. Very How do they know it's exactly 11.05? Maybe the cleaning lady looked exactly at her watch when he knocked on the door. Maybe. Maybe she knew it was 11.05 because she was waiting for someone to come home. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so a cleaning woman named Lucille Davis hears a knock on the back door of her employer's home. She mm-hmm. figures it's... Her employer, I would assume. coming home, yeah. Yeah. So she opens the door and is met with a long-barreled pistol pointed at her face. And he forces himself into the home and ties her to the bed and steals $3 and takes her car. Now, I'm assuming he only steals $3 because that is all that's available to him at this house. But this is crazy. And I will also say I find it very strange that he chose not to rape this woman. She must have not fit into his type or what he was looking for because it sounds like he had opportunity and he chose not to take it. He just stole her car. So 25 minutes later, a housewife named Barbara hears a knock at her back door. Mm. She opens it. Why is everyone opening the back door? Yeah, you guys, don't open your doors. Does does the back door not have a window? Are you not looking? I feel like I always look. Through a window before I open a door, though. Yeah, a lot of times I just don't open the door. Is that just me being paranoid? We, always we might be a more paranoid family than I most. always look I through know. the window. Yeah, probably. Is that not... Can someone answer that? Is that not normal? Do you not look through Do you through guys just window? open the door without checking who's there? Like, do you... Do people actually do that? Do people actually do that? I always check. Or is that just, like, in the 70s? Like, people felt safer. Maybe, Maybe. they didn't even lock their doors. But I have got to tell you, if somebody knocked... On our back door right now. We're we're downstairs. We're in the recording uh, room. Where I'm looking out the back door. Yeah, right we're now, looking actually. out the back door right now. If we had curtains, which we don't, but if we had curtains and somebody knocked on the door, there's no way I would open the door. No. And I'd be super freaked out that somebody was knocking on my back door. Back door? That's a weird thing to do. Once the door. This time he demands that she comes with him. So it looks like Barbara fits his type. Right. She says she can't because of her baby. And he tells her to bring the baby. You guys. Uh, no. And this is like an infant baby. Like, this is a young... Yeah, I think he's like a year and a half or something. Like a young baby. Yeah, he's he's a baby. I... There's no way. I would insist that my baby stay there. Like, take me with you. I would leave the baby and hope for the best. Because I would feel like the baby would be safer there being found there by somebody than yeah. being with me with a crazy person. I also feel like that if someone like said, come with me, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I have a baby upstairs. Like I maybe might not even mention that there's a baby. Yeah, I, same. I might, I mean, I might to try to get him to change his mind, but there's no way I would take the baby with me. Mm-mm. No way. So David actually holds the infant on his lap while forcing Barbara to drive to a place called Sheep Ranch. Good. At least he... He put her baby on his lap to drive. Like, I can't imagine driving a car with a stranger sitting next to me holding oh, yeah. my baby. Your ba- Not even just a stranger. Like, this is a man who has kidnapped you. Yes. Who obviously does not have good intentions. No. So once they get there, she sees that he already has a campsite set up and waiting. Or this is a this is a pretty isolated. Campsite yeah, it's as well. like a, it's like a isolated, like abandoned area. He makes Barbara undress. He rapes her and he tells her to get dressed. They then drive towards Oakdale, and again David is holding the baby in his lap. Oh my God! I can't even imagine. I cannot. I cannot imagine. However, the way that she did handle this situation, I mean, 
it happens to work out well for her, but I don't know if that's because of how she handles the situation or if it's because he just hasn't ramped himself up to the point of murder yet at this point. But I do think that there might be something too. Like it sounds like she is very calm. She does not fight him. She does not challenge him. And maybe he feels like he has complete control over her. And that's that's why. why. Yeah. Barbara would later remark on how, once again, different he seemed after the rape. Like, kind almost. Yeah. She even said that he was especially gentle with her baby. Which is just Mm. crazy to me. Mm. Someone who can hold that much violence and, like... Psychopath. Okay, so Barbara let him out on the side of the road in Oakdale. He hitched a ride to the Greyhound bus depot in Modesto. Deputies were already on the lookout for him and spotted him the second he arrived at the bus depot. So for reference, if you are a criminal, the police are probably looking at the bus depot. Especially when you have no car. Yeah, the train station, right? I mean, they're going to be looking at these places. The airport, I mean, come on, you guys. It's not very... So at 8.30 p.m., David's arrested. When arrested, he said that he was most afraid of getting raped in jail. I find that a little ironic um, that he chose to be a rapist. And yet that's what he's most scared of in jail. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's rough. Sorry, David. Sorry, David. That sucks. Okay, so before David even gets to trial... He masterminds a five-person escape from jail. On a Monday in April, they cut through their cell bars. How? How? What? With what? How did they cut through their cell bars? I don't... I don't know. Is this a wood prison? Like, (laughs) I don't understand. Maybe they had a saw and they just even saw metal, I guess. I really, I don't even know. Okay, so they cut through their cell bars. How, we do not know. How, we do not know. They escaped through a skylight. What kind of prison has a skylight? Clearly, well, this is like a, like, I don't know. I don't know. Small town. I don't know. So they hop a fence and disappear into the woods. He's obviously not the Zodiac killer. He was at one point looked at for being the Zodiac killer. But he was ruled out. He was ruled out. Not him. That rumor's out there a little bit. Probably because David started it himself. I'm not really sure. But he was not the Zodiac killer. The Zodiac Killer actually started killing in 1968 when David was in jail. He didn't get out until 1969. So, So, yeah. Riddle me that one. Did you have someone start your killing for you, David? Yeah. Nice try, David. So, a couple hours after the great escape, the bloodhounds close in on the men who are still just sitting in a wheat field near the woods. They're probably fascinated by David's stories of the Zodiac know. Killer. Apparently, they didn't have an actual plan. Like, they plan out this escape, but then once they got out, they had no plan. I don't. Okay. That sounds good, David. Okay, so obviously, they were all recaptured. Yep. Shocking. I, I can't understand why it's such know, a brilliant plan. <laughs> I don't know. Um, in October, David gets sentenced for his crimes. Mm-hmm. His charges... They're basically broken into two groups. Okay. So the first group is two counts of armed robbery and one count of kidnapping. One to Which, 25 years. Yes. Yeah, so he could be sentenced from anywhere from one year to 25 years, which doesn't seem like a lot on that the That seems like a very end. drastic. It's a very drastic, yeah. Okay, so then the second group is one count of auto theft and one count of prison escape, which is six months to five years for each charge. So David spent seven years in jail for all the crimes that he committed, and he was paroled in 1977. Good. Good. I'm glad. Mm. I'm glad. Uh, but he did spend two extra years for a parole violation. So that technically, I think, is because when he went on this crime spree, he violated his parole that he was already on. So I think that's the parole violation that he spends the two years serving for. And maybe that's because they didn't feel like he got a harsh enough sentence. But I just can't believe that he only spent seven years. I I literally can't. For raping and assaulting multiple women? Yeah, kidnapping, stabbing someone, he broke kidnapping into multiple a baby? homes. Yeah, he stole cars. I don't I don't know. He but he's also like, a he charmer. assaulted six women. I know. 
he's also a charmer. So he might have appeared much more normal in this courtroom. Psychopath. Because he's a psychopath. Psychopath. So May 21st, 1979, he's released. One thing to keep in mind here is that David may have been caught and punished for his crimes, but that does not mean he's going to stop. No, David is a raging psychopath. Maybe he'll be more careful about leaving witnesses. Spoiler alert. But he is not done with his crimes yet. That's going to be the end of episode one. It's the end of all the crap that David did. Yeah, we got to learn about David. We got to learn about where he started and what led him to the path that we're going to talk about next week. We're going to bring you into the woods. It's going to be terrifying. It's if a you crazy thought story. what he did was bad yeah, now. If you thought this up till now was bad, nope. You just wait. You just wait. There's more coming. So, I don't know at what point that interrupted. My sister just called. <laughs> and since, you know, my mom's computer is hooked up to her phone. Right. Naturally. But we're talking to her and she's like asking me questions about, they're remodeling the inside of their house. So she's asking me questions about things in our house. Because we have a beautiful remodeled house. Yeah, she's just copying everything that we did basically. But as she's talking to us, she's all of a sudden like, oh my God. And then we can hear her yelling down the stairs like, are you okay? We think her husband injured himself. <laughs> We're not She's sure. like, I gotta go. I gotta call you back. So. <laughs> and uh, yesterday or the day before, I think he drilled through a pipe in the kitchen and flooded the house. So hopefully there's no <laughs> new damage. But their house is looking really good. It is. But this is what quarantine does to people, you guys. They have to find projects to keep themselves busy. That's why Home Depot is an essential business. <laughs> and that's why Home Depot is still open. Okay. But thanks for tuning in, you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank thank you you so much for listening. Yes, we have so many new listeners. We have all of the United States except for Alaska and Hawaii. Alaska and Hawaii, you guys. If you know anyone in Alaska or Hawaii, please just text them and tell them to yeah, listen to text our podcast. Yeah, them and tell them to listen to our podcast. I'm getting mad that I can't scratch those states off. It's driving us crazy. But yeah, thank you everybody who tuned in and who listened and who told their friends about us. We are loving sharing these stories with you guys. We love getting you through your quarantine. We love getting you through the quarantine. Uh, we're having a blast. So yeah, thanks for coming. And we will see you next week for the second part of this episode. For part two. All right. Bye, guys. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Adios. Hello.